You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a good Wednesday to you, Browns fans. Thank you for stopping by this Locked On Browns podcast, coming to you a later, little bit later this evening than normal. So some of you will be listening to this Thursday morning, and so good Thursday morning to you as well. And so it is Washington week, week four of the NFL season. Uh, the Browns come in 0-3. Uh, yesterday I talked a little bit about uh, Washington as a whole, just a little mini preview of the team. Uh, but spent a lot of time talking about what it would look like uh, for fans and media if the Browns actually started winning. And so uh, just hopefully that was an interesting conversation for you, something that uh, you hopefully get to think about and then to experience as we uh, have the Cavs winning and the Indians who are on their way to the playoffs uh, winning the AL Central. It's nice to think about the possibility of the Browns actually being good at some point in time. And so um, hopefully you thought through that a little bit and kind of wondered what you would be like. Will you be excited? Uh, just just purely excited? Will you be like the Bengals fans who are frustrated that their team can't get over the hump even though they've been good and made the playoffs? And or if the Browns actually start to win and maybe even win a Super Bowl, will you be like the Patriots fans who whose expectations are just uh, off the charts, championship or bust, similar to why LSU fired Les Miles? And so just something interesting to talk about. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about what the Browns face defensively uh, for their defense going against Washington's offense. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the story of the day or the conversation of the day, which is signing Terrell Pryor, what that could look like and all of that kind of stuff. So starting off, since it is uh, active season right now, it's important to start off talking about the actual game that's coming up this week. And so we look at the Washington offense. And so there's some statistical things that I talked a little bit about last week. But even more than that, when you look at the Washington offense, you see some some interesting names and some talent there that actually should give the Browns some, some high level of concern. So you start off with their offensive line. And so an offensive line is obviously kind of the base of an offense. And Trent Williams has been a kind of a lockdown left tackle for years. We know the name Sean Laval uh, as the former Browns, I believe third round pick off the top of my head, um, starting at left tackle, though he is questionable. Uh, Laval has actually turned into a very, very good player uh, for Washington uh, since leaving the Browns. And then you have Brandon Sharif, uh, the, the first-round pick a couple of years ago, and Morgan Moses, a very large right tackle. And so the offensive line is solid. There's a lot of talent there that can uh, be very useful, running right, uh, protecting, uh, being a very, very big offensive line. Uh, they're able to kind of grind on players as well as pass protect. And so uh, it starts with the offensive line, and then you look at the weapons. Um, that quarterback Kirk Cousins has to work with. And it starts with Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed. Jackson is that kind of small, fast wide receiver that can often give Joe Hayden some problems. And so if Hayden is active uh, with that growing injury, which it seems like right now that's a 50-50 kind of proposition, you have to wonder if Deshaun Jackson really is the matchup the Browns want to test him against, or would he be a, a better matchup for Jamar Taylor, who is a little bit smaller, a little bit quicker, um, and so maybe able to uh, provide a little bit better coverage on the faster uh, Deshaun Jackson. But then Jordan Reed, the tight end, uh, really, um, so if we look at Jackson, um, 
Jackson's got 14 receptions, 238 yards, and a touchdown already this year. So off to a good start three games into the season. Jordan Reed, on the other hand, really um, statistically hasn't been great. But the uh, so 16 receptions, 190 yards. The interesting thing is, is that um, Kirk Cousins has really focused most of his energy. Uh, he's often really locked into Jordan Reed and what he can do on the field. And so that actually tends to be his primary focus. And so of his 16 receptions, he's had 24 targets. And so you can expect the Browns to uh, get a heavy dosage of balls going towards Jordan Reed. The question is, what does defensive coordinator Ray Horton do against the six foot two, 250-pound tight end? Christian Kirksey can obviously play in coverage. Uh, Joe Schobert has shown some ability there. Demario Davis is really limited in that kind of role. Um, and then you have defensive backs with Derek Kindred and Jordan Poyer, possibility of Ibrahim Campbell. Does he actually try to maybe bracket him with Kirksey underneath, Poyer over top? Uh, to really uh, force Cousins to go someplace else or to at least delay his decision-making process long enough for the pass rush to get there. Reed is most likely going to be a uh, highly targeted again this this week for Kirk Cousins and someone that can give the Browns a ton of problems um, right now. And then you have Pierre Garçon on the other side, 13 reception, 135 yards. But again, a player who has been successful most of his career, uh, going in, it's in ninth season at 30 years old. Uh, another weapon for Washington to really focus on and to use while rookie J Josh Doxson kind of struggles with injuries and trying to figure out uh, his role. And then you have deep threat Jameson Crowder, who can really take the top off a of defense, can be really involved in kind of bubble screens and those kind of things. And so a lot of weapons on the outside, as well as Jordan Reed, who can um, split out or play in line as a tight end for the Browns to really have to worry about. Off um, From the running game perspective, there was a lot expected of Matt Jones. Unfortunately for the Redskins so far, Jones has really been person non grata. Uh, you just really haven't seen a lot out of him. All of his runs look similar. It looks like Jay Gruden really uh, hasn't dialed up a lot of creativity for the run game. And so Jones is at 37 attempts for the year for 150 yards and a touchdown which really isn't much. You know, it's a 4.1 yards per carry average, but just isn't enough to really kind of carry the team. Beyond him, they're looking at Chris Thompson in the backfield. Again, not another name that really isn't going to scare anybody. He's got 12 carries so far for 47 yards. Um, and so not really someone who can carry the load for, for Washington. And so where are they going to get the run game from? Or like Miami kind of did, like Baltimore kind of did against the Browns, and even as Philadelphia did kind of against the Browns, do they just kind of uh, run it every once in a while and then just throw the ball? You know, when you have Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, Pierre Garçon, Jamison Crowder, when you uh, Josh Doxson possibly playing, when you have all of those kind of receivers, it makes a lot of sense to just throw the ball all over the field. And so when you look at the Browns' defense – First, obviously, does Joe Hayden play uh, with a gimpy growing? That's something you always have to be worried about um, when it's sore, when it's um, pushed to kind of its limits, which is kind of how Joe plays. It would be really tough to put him out there if they're not certain of his health. They don't want to put him in a position where he can be injured for uh, weeks upon weeks or even the season. 
Uh, and so they have to be very, very careful at how they handle Joe, especially against a wide receiver core that can, can really beat him deep, whether that's Jackson, whether that's Jamison Crowder, uh, whoever that might be. The Browns have to just be very, very cautious with Joe Hayden this week. If Hayden's out, the Browns are in a tough position. I know last week um, the waiver claim body Calhoun really excited some some people, um, but he's a he's a young guy and he's going to get beaten. He did get beat a lot. His his interception and pick six return was basically because of Tyrone Holmes's pressure. Um, he made a couple of plays uh, in coverage, but really just wasn't in great position uh, the whole time. And so. Will the Browns be able to cover enough? Because we know that the pass rush has struggled to really get there. Tyrone Holmes is getting pressure. Emmanuel Ogba is getting pressure, but they're not really hitting the quarterback. With Carl Nassib still out, uh, it doesn't look like that's going to change again. And so how long can they cover? Can they do some creative things in coverage, maybe zone on one side, man on another, to try to mess with Kirk Cousin, who has seemed to uh, really regress this season? Defensively, the Browns have to bring it to Washington. If they don't, they can't rely and put pressure on Cody Kessler to to really carry the game. And so we'll talk about the Browns' offense uh, tomorrow. But for now, the Browns' defense really is dependent on what they're going to do in the secondary. And can Joe Hayden or and or Ray Horton put them in a position to stop some very, very dynamic uh, weapons with a very, very mediocre quarterback in Kirk Cousins. That will be the key for the Browns' defense. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Now on to the uh, conversation of the day, and that that's Terrell Pryor's um, kind of value. And so obviously Pryor had his huge breakout game this year, this week against Miami. It's something that I obviously predicted uh, on the Orange and Brown Report. So make sure you check out all of my work at theobr.com. Uh, and so I predicted that it would be the Pryor game um, prior to the game. And so uh, this season, Terrell Pryor has looked like a dynamic wide receiver. Obviously, he has his ability running the ball out of the wildcat that we saw last week. But so far as a wide receiver, 14 receptions, 244 yards, no touchdowns yet. But again, a lot of yardage, 14 receptions. And then uh, you have his running game, three rushes, I'm sorry, four rushes, 21 yards. Then he threw the ball a couple times last week. But as a receiver, six foot four, 223 pounds, those long legs uh, with long strides, those big hands, uh, his ability to uh, come across the middle or go deep on those nine routes has been huge. The real question, as you look at the value for Pryor, before we look at free agency and all of that, is whether or not his value and his numbers are based on high usage. And so what I mean by that is, Trump Pryor has 31 targets, 31 targets in three games. Obviously, you all can average that out to a, just a little bit over 10 targets a game. And so with 10 targets a game, what it, he's supposed to produce, right? And so he's actually caught. That doesn't mean it's his fault. Again, this is nothing blaming or trying to bring 
down Terrell Pryor, but he's actually caught less than half of his targets. Now, those targets have been coming from RG3 and Josh McCown and Cody Kessler, and a, a lot of them, especially early in the season or in the first two weeks, were kind of deep balls that are kind of 50-50 kind of balls anyways. And so that isn't totally surprising. But again, he's producing his 224 yards out of 14 receptions, which is only a 17.4 yards per catch average. And then he has a, a long of a 44-yard reception. And so is he just a product of a guy who is getting a lot of touches? And if it, that's true, what happens when Corey Coleman is healthy? What happens next week when Josh Gordon is back? Does it, Do his numbers come down? Does he start to look like a solid to good number two kind of receiver when he's only getting five or six targets a game because Coleman and, and Gordon and Gary Barnes and Duke Johnson all kind of deserve, quote unquote, their touches. And then you have people like Ricardo Lewis and Rashad Higgins and Andrew Hawkins who also get a few touches here and there. And so will he won't get, not will he, but he just will not get an average of 10 targets per game. It's just not realistic at this point in time. And so it's important for for everyone to kind of understand that as we look at his value this season. And so um, if we look back at uh, last year, so just to kind of put Terrell Pryor in perspective, right now he's tied for seventh most targets in the league. Of those people who are either at or above his 31 targets a game, he has the lowest receptions. So he's got 14 of 31. Uh, The next closest is T.Y. Hilton has 18 of 34. But all of the receivers above him who have more targets have more yards, have more touchdowns. And so, again, we just have to take it all within context. It's not to downplay prior but it's to make sure you're thinking and we're all thinking in context. So then let's think about dollars. First, we know Pryor has very, very little experience. And so someone with that little experience, it's really hard to figure out, do we, uh, do we throw money at a receiver who has one basic year? And so far we've got very, we've got less than one year. Do we throw a lot of money at him? Last year's high free agent wide receiver was Marvin Lew- or Marvin Jones, sorry, coming out of Cincinnati. You have Marvin Jones and you have Muhammad Sanu, both Cincinnati products. And the number three was Travis Benjamin, who we as Browns fans know. And so let's start with Marvin Jones. Jones, his breakout year was in 2015 with the Bengals, 65 receptions, 816 yards and four touchdowns. The year prior, he had 51 receptions, 712 yards and 10 touchdowns. So I'm sorry, that was in 2013. He was hurt in 2014. But do you see he has some background, right? 10 touchdowns in 2013, 65 receptions, over 800 yards in 2015 uh, on a team where he was kind of the number two guy. This year in his three games with Detroit, already has 18 receptions, has 408 yards and two touchdowns. And so Marvin Jones pulled in a huge $40 million contract because he had experience. Because he had proven track record far more than Terrell Pryor can have going into free agency. And so then you have Mohamed Sanu, another interesting player. Obviously, he's a 
um, a Bengals guy. And so you look at what Sanu did in the past, and maybe there is where we see some interesting comparisons because Sanu was kind of the gadget guy for the Bengals. He he threw the ball some, he returned the ball, he ran the ball. You know, he did a lot of different things for the Bengals. But again, 2014, 56 receptions, almost 800 yards, five touchdowns. 2012, his rookie season, he had four touchdowns on only 16 receptions. And then in 2015, he had 33 receptions uh, for almost 400 yards. So again, he had some base for kind of what he could do. He had some track record. And he pulled in a $32.5 million contract, which many think is too much, in Atlanta. And then obviously we knew what Travis Benjamin did. Uh, and his contract was only $24 million. So the question becomes is for the Browns, given only one season of success, do you invest in Terrell Pryor? Do you make him prove it over time, which could then jack up his value even more? You have to realize that the Browns have Corey Coleman on a rookie contract for the next four to five years. Simple and easy math there. Cheap contract. Josh Gordon will actually be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. But again, a team can come in and look at Gordon and say, we're going to give him a huge contract. Obviously, it'll have a lot of caveats about uh, his playing time uh, based on suspensions and all that kind of stuff. But the Browns will go into free agency trying to figure out, do they choose between Pryor or Gordon? Now, many fans at this point will say, why would they have to choose? They have a crap ton of cap space. There's no reason they have to choose. They don't really have many other players that they need to re-sign or bring back. Um, they haven't been bringing any players back. Why wouldn't they pick and, and sign Pryor and Gordon to contracts? And that's when it comes down to balance, right? It's, it's an important concept as the Browns look to build their roster is how do you balance both your assets, so how you're using draft picks, and how you balance your cap space? And so if you're paying really big money to Josh Gordon and big money to Terrell Pryor, you've put a lot of your cap space into one position. It's similar problem when you add Joe Hayden and Justin Gilbert and Tremont Williams and all of the contracts and the assets there. Do you want to invest? Does Marvin, I'm sorry, does Hugh Jackson want to invest in his wide receiver position? Does Stashi Brown see value in that given that Pryor will only have one season under his belt of good play and will be getting a lot of targets or has gotten a lot of targets. And then Josh Gordon obviously is a risk, right? Do you, do they wait for him to get a restricted free agent uh, offer and then match it, which is always a risky proposition? Or do they just sign prior to a lower contract and let Gordon move on? Again, there's no right answer. Thankfully, we have... 13 more games until uh, they have to make a decision in free agency for Terrell Pryor. Could they try to make a deal? Sure, absolutely. Would it be great? Would it be a, a great momentum boost to get Pryor signed during the season? Absolutely. If the Browns can, they should. But they shouldn't jump the, the, the gun too quickly, offering money anything near what Marvin Jones or Mohamed Sanu had made last season. Travis Benjamin, four-year contract for $24 million, maybe a little less than that. Who knows? But again, it's important that they kind of play their cap gymnastics to understand that they may have to pay Pryor and Gordon, both decent to great money. And so it's important they start to think about that cap balance.
as they look forward to bringing in other free agents as their team kind of comes together, as well as all of these draft picks, while they are cheap contracts, still cost money. And so in the next draft, they're expected to have, they're going to have four picks in the top two rounds. And it's expected those picks are going to be four within the top 40. And so that's a, that's some chunk of change that goes to those draft picks. And then long-term, you got to think about re-signing them at some point in time. Some of these guys need to get second contracts. So while the talk of prior being uh, extended during the season is interesting, uh, unless the Browns and prior are able to get really creative and kind of meet in the middle, I doubt you see that. Instead, you're going to see prior wanting to play it out and the team honestly being interested in playing it out as well. So again, do we think it'd be great to see Terrell Pryor signed? Sure. But it's unlikely to happen this season, Browns fans, for a lot of reasons. He doesn't deserve a Marvin Jones contract, probably doesn't deserve a Mohamed Sanu contract, and it's pushing it to, to be offered a Travis Benjamin contract. At that point for Pryor, it's just best to play the market and see if a crazy owner wants to kind of pony up the cash to bring in the former quarterback turned wide receiver. Thanks for stopping into this Lockdown Browns podcast. Again, have a great Wednesday evening or Thursday morning, depending on when you're tuning in. And look forward to our Thursday podcast when we look at the Browns offense and what they are going to need to do against a Washington defense that has struggled, even though it has some big names. Again, thanks for stopping on to this Lockdown Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by, and go Browns. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.